What's up, kinfolk? Welcome to the number one college football show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today, we're going to talk about what some teams in the NFC need to be looking at as we approach the NFL draft, taking into account some needs for these teams, who might be available for them, and really, this is a great excuse for me to talk about some of the college football players that I love the most, and you know, NFL fans, you should be looking forward to. I also want to talk about what is going great for Michigan and why it's due. But first, I want to talk a little bit about USC, Deuce Robinson. I'm going to get in that by first saying, hey, I'm doing it with allergies right now. So if the voice goes, that's what happened. It's kind of the season right now. It is April in Oklahoma, which means death from yellow pollen. All right. Uh, oh, yeah. Iowa, LSU, 37 fouls, big deal. That joke felt better in my head when I said it. Anyway, last week, March 30th, five-star tight end Deuce Robinson signed with USC. He was the last remaining five-star in the 2023 class, and he had said in February he was definitely going to sign with somebody. Felt like those somebodies were going to be USC or Georgia before the signing day period ended. Now, April 1st was the last day he could have signed his national letter of intent and still enrolled for the 2023 season. Now, I think that that's more of a formality because you can get a financial aid agreement in July if that's what you want to do. But I also think he wanted, one, to let everybody know that he wants to play football and two, kind of force his hand in baseball, which is where this really gets interesting, but I want to stick to the football part of this for just a second. He's a great tight end. At six foot six, 250, he's the best tight end prospect that we have seen, at least at that level, since Eric Gilbert. Now, Brock Bowers has ended up being the best tight end in college football, but he was not expected to be when he left Napa in California. We expect great things from Deuce Robinson, and this is where it gets kind of cool for me in that we got like the six degrees of separation of Lincoln Riley, okay? So Deuce Robinson is the best Robinson to come out of Arizona since B. John Robinson, right, who ended up going to Texas and giving Lincoln Riley the full dose as a Texas running back when Lincoln Riley was offensive coordinator and head coach at Oklahoma. Excuse me, just head coach at Oklahoma because he ain't that old. Now, on top of that, Deuce Robinson's coming out of Pinnacle in Arizona, which is where Spencer Rattler came out of. And frankly, one of the reasons why I think Lincoln Riley has such good ties to that high school. As a matter of fact, it's kind of astonishing that he doesn't go to Arizona as often as I sometimes think that he should because, once again, Mark Andrews comes out of the state of Arizona where he set records as a wide receiver, got to Oklahoma when Lincoln Riley was an offensive coordinator, and Lincoln looked him up and down and said, what if we move you from X to Y? What if we just put 40 pounds on you? And Mark Andrews was game and became one of the great tight ends of the last 10 years out of Oklahoma. I also need to add there, that's a converted wide receiver to tight end. By the way, that 2014 scout team was ridiculous. That's Doriel Green Beckham, Baker Mayfield, Joe Mixon, Mark Andrews, and Orlando Brown on the scout team. Yo, what? Like, that was, that was fun. I remember covering that as a beat writer. It's so much fun to talk about what those guys were going to be. And most of them turned out to be exactly what we thought they were going to be. Now, the thing that I find interesting about Deuce Robinson at USC is that he's a tight end, to which I was kind of playing a game of 
do you know this dude with producer Tyler before we got started here? And a way to get you to Lake McCree is going to be at least slotted as starting tight end at USC. Comes out of Lake Travis, was a fine player, but not the caliber that we're used to Lincoln Riley putting out into the world. It also underscores just how little they care to use tight ends at USC. And the way I get at this is I always thought that Malcolm Epps, who was tight end at Texas, was one of the great prospects that was just unfounded, or I should say, had not yet reached his potential when he got to Texas. He's since transferred to USC and he's entered the transfer portal again, but he entered the transfer portal after, I kid you not, last year, he caught just three passes and made one interception. That interception was a Hail Mary that he picked off in the end zone that Jake Hayner threw in week three. It was one of like the ninth turnover that USC had had in that 2022 season. He's since gone to the portal. I just don't see why we are not talking enough about just what little has happened at the tight end position for USC. Now, maybe Deuce Robinson can change that. And certainly as a five-star prospect, I'd love to see him out there with Caleb Williams and Mario Williams and see what's really good with that offense and see if they can't take it to the level that, you know, ends in winning a Pac-12 championship as opposed to getting beat by Cam Rising and Utah again for the Pac-12 championship. But that is all contingent on Deuce Robinson being at USC in September. And I'm not convinced that that is the case. I'm mostly convinced that that is the case. So I'm going to unpack this for you. So Robinson, who said he was going to sign, sign with USC. I think the reason that he did sign with USC is because of all the things that I talked about in association with Lincoln Riley, probably because Georgia wants him to play football and not really entertain baseball. But if you know him, you know that he's an outstanding baseball prospect. Now, he's the best two-sport star that we've seen coming out in high school or college since Kyler Murray in 2018. Now, he is not on par with Kyler Murray in 2018 because Kyler Murray is a quarterback and a generational talent as a baseball player. Deuce Robinson's comp in baseball is Aaron Judge. He's got tremendous back speed. He's enormous. And when he hits the ball, it goes 95 miles an hour off the bat. Okay, if you could teach that dude to play outfield, you could see how he becomes a really great power hitter in the major leagues. But that's a big if because I'm a baseball fan, which is to say, I know that just because you get drafted or sign your contract does not mean you will play in the major leagues. You could die on the road in a ball in some town in Idaho that you've never heard of. It's on the table for you. However, he is a top 125, 150 prospect, according to Baseball America. I think they slot him at 123, which is why I'm trying to get the ranges in sections of five there. But Kyler Murray was drafted in the top 10 of the Major League Baseball draft in 2018. Now, this is also very interesting because at the time, nobody's seen Kyler Murray play football since leaving AM. Not really. He came in in relief, sort of, of Baker Mayfield, started a game against West Virginia because Lincoln Riley tearfully sat Baker Mayfield for that game. We got to see what his future might look like with Kyler, and it looked good, looked real good, and frankly, it was a harbinger of things to come. But in June 2018, nobody knew that. We all thought, oh, you get signed as a top, or excuse me, you get selected as a top 10 pick in the Major League Baseball draft at the range that he was slotted at, $4.9 million as a signing bonus. You're going to sign that contract, and then – Lincoln basically had to get assurances from Riley, or excuse me, from Kyler that he was going to play a season of football. And then Billy Bean 
made it very easy for everybody involved as general manager of the Oakland Athletics who drafted him and said, we would be very disappointed if Kyler did not play a season of football. Roll the dice on that one and came up with a Heisman Trophy winner. <laughs> Look, if I'm him, I do the same thing because nobody expects that dude, anybody, to go out and win the Heisman Trophy, let alone become the kind of guy that could be selected number one overall in the NFL draft. And that is only because Cliff Kingsbury failed up. Cliff Kingsbury got fired, was going to be the offensive coordinator, got fired from Texas Tech, was going to be the offensive coordinator at USC, became the head coach at Arizona. And earlier before he got fired, it said, if I had the first pick, I would take Kyler Murray. And he got the opportunity with the first pick, even though he had Josh Rosen over there, said, we're going to take Kyler Murray. That didn't stop the Oakland Athletics from trying to pursue Kyler, even as we saw him beat Texas in the Big 12 championship. We saw him get the Heisman Trophy. We saw him put 300 and 100 up on Alabama. Now, they lost that game in the Orange Bowl, but it wasn't because he played poorly. If anything, he showed everybody what he's capable of in the NFL. And then, great SI feature by Robert Klimko of the Washington Post now, where he reported Oakland had upped its offer from $4.9 million to $14.9 million. Now, that's great. That's awesome. But not when he's set to make $30 million as the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. And he's going to play pro football at the highest level right away, as opposed to going into the Oakland Athletics minor league system. I promise this is all going to make sense. And this is there's a reason why I'm laying this out for you. As a matter of fact, that pick that Arizona made of Kyler Murray at number one was worth $35 million to Kyler Murray. And you've seen what the contract has looked like since they decided to extend him. It's not just generational money. It's stupid money, right? Which, you know, we can get into with baseball, but that's a little harder row to hoe. Now, as this pertains to Deuce Robinson, let us assume that someone believes that Deuce Robinson of those 30 franchises, that he is a first round pick. Now, Baseball America and everybody else that ranks MLB Pipeline, these prospects don't even have them in their top 50. Okay, even if we're talking about the Rule 4 draft or what is, I think, becoming known as the first year player draft. It's Rule 4, four when I was growing up, it's still Rule 4 to me now. First time we can select you. There are 20 rounds in Rule 4, and each of those rounds has a slotted amount of money that is derived from what you brought in, what we expect you to put out as a Major League Baseball institution. So let's say that Deuce goes at number 15 in the Major League Baseball draft this July. Okay, that slotted amount is $4.1 million. Or the same amount of money that the first selection in the fourth round of this year's NFL draft is going to make. Okay, now add to that. If you are selected after the first round in the NFL draft, you get to free agency after year four as opposed to year five. That means that should he go through three years at USC and then come out, he probably gets to his rookie contract and out of it by the time he's 25, 26 years old or what Lamar Jackson is looking at right now. Whereas if he turns out to be, let's say even Mike Trout, Mike Trout didn't make that kind of money until arbitration, in which case he still isn't worth the amount of money, which is another way of me saying, pay Shohei Otani $3 billion because Steve Nebraska is playing baseball. That's stupid. But Deuce Robinson being something like Aaron Judge, you could honestly see him getting to that amount of money. But again, 
it's going to be away from spotlight. It's going to be a, away from the nice, cushy surroundings of USC football and or the NFL, right? It's going to be Toledo Mud, uh, Mud Hens is what it's going to be. It's going to be uh, the Birmingham Rumble Ponies. It could be my Tulsa Drillers or, you know, even the uh, Oklahoma City Dodgers, places that you don't really care about as he's trying to work on, frankly, hitting off-speed stuff, catching up to fastball, learning how to be a pro still as a high school player. It's just not that enticing. But it gets deeper than that for me because I'm looking at this, and I get asked this often, how likely is it that we're going to see more, say, black players play baseball? Well, we play football in the United States, right? And the road to playing football is just much easier for us, right? And by us, I mean all adolescent men. Like, there are over, I want to say, 2 million kids that play high school football each and every year, like, at a, at a school level. That's not travel ball. That's not seven-on-seven. Seven, that's just high school football. Deuce Robinson knows what he's capable of in our sport and what he might be capable of in Major League Baseball. But again, he's got to get there. And I think it's interesting to look at this from the marketing standpoint, too, because we know Deuce Robinson's name. I'm obviously talking to him, to you, on a college football podcast, right? That's worth a lot of money. So let's say that you want to pay him more than the slotted value at $4.1 million, even if you select him at top 15. Well, they got rules for this in Major League Baseball, and I kind of think this is fun. So according to MLB.com, okay, if a player is selected in the first 10 rounds and doesn't sign, his pick value is subtracted from the club's pool. That is the total amount of money that they have pooled for signing bonuses for their 20 picks. If a team exceeds its allotment, it faces a penalty, okay? A team that outspends its pool by, say, 5%, pays 75% tax on that overage. So 75% of the signing bonus that they agreed to pay the player. And it goes up from there. If you do this with 10%, you pay 100% tax, and you can lose a first and a second round pick. If you do this at above 15%, you will pay 100% of the tax and you will lose your two first round picks, right? There's a whole, there's a high price for this. Now, if you're Kyler Murray, for instance, let's take back to Oakland where they wanted to pay on the slotted value, but marketing, buzz around Kyler Murray, the absence of black players from the United States playing baseball and what he might mean to them, what he might mean to the sport. Yes, we are going to add $10 million to the total. We will pay you $14.9 million, which also means they were willing to pay at least under the new CBA. I don't think this would have been true on the old CBA, but the new CBA in Major League Baseball 2022 to 2026, they would have been paying basically $30 million and losing two first round picks just so they could get Kyler Murray into an Oakland athletic minor league ball club. So they were committed to this in as far as baseball is committed to this, but this also kind of underscores just how wonky the financials are for Major League Baseball. For instance, I've been talking about pools and how much money you have pooled for each one of your picks. Well, that's based on a number of uh, statistics, but suffice it to say, kid from down the road where I live named Jackson Holiday got drafted number one overall in the 2021, excuse me, 2022 Major League Baseball draft, right? That is Matt Holiday's kid, right? Coming out of Stillwater. He ends up going to Orioles, and the slotted value for the number one overall pick in Major League Baseball was just south of nine million dollars nine that is 
It's three times that for the number one overall pick in the NFL draft, right? So you're dealing with that, but you're also dealing with, this was also a historic year for Baltimore and frankly for Major League Baseball as they had the second highest pool that we had seen in five years, right? They had $17 million that they could use on their picks according to base, uh, to MLB pipeline, right? Which means that half of that was already allotted to their number one overall pick. And we're talking about a total of $280 million across all 30 teams that was pooled for that baseball draft. Now, for perspective on there, $280 million across 30 teams. The, the, the Dodgers, right? A popular baseball team, lots of coworkers, love them. They live in around LA, they go to the games. They paid $310 million in payroll in 2022. $47 million in tax, okay? The Mets paid $289 million. The Yanks paid $261 million. The Padres are going to go over $240, and we're just now getting opening day, okay? $280 million, just not a lot of money when you talk about pulling it from all 30 teams, especially when I can tell you that there's at least one franchise who thumbs their nose at $280 million in payroll. I don't give a damn who you got playing on the LA Dodgers and how good they are. That's a lot of money. All right. So you have all of this working against, I think, a Deuce Robinson making his way to Major League Baseball. Now, I think that Lincoln Riley also knows how to do this, which is to say, if Deuce Robinson was drafted and somebody wanted to sign him to a minor league deal, they could do that and he could probably get away with playing football. We saw Deion Sanders do this at Florida State. He signed with the Yankees, came back, played his senior year to up the number for him getting drafted in the NFL. And that's how it worked out. And then he got to play both sports and really is the last two sports star that we have seen. Bo Jackson did something similar. It's there for him, right? Especially because he's not a quarterback. It's just different. You need, your, you need Kyler Murray to be around the team all the time because he is the guy. If you're a tight end, you can show up. You can just do stuff. I mean, Tyler, Tyler goes to Notre Dame. We brought talked up. We talked about Joe, uh, Jeff Samarja, right, who is still making buku money from the San Francisco Giants as a pitcher and was a great wide receiver at Notre Dame. So it's possible for him to do both. I'm saying Lincoln Riley must be wise to this. And if you think that you can still develop him into an All-American tight end, and he could, why not let the kid go play pro baseball in the Carolina League, in the Cape Cod League, come back, and then see what you have and see if you can't find something that is magical between he and Caleb Williams. So that is how I see all of this breaking out. It's one of the reasons that I'm really excited about it is because I would really love to cover a two-sports star as an adult because I really haven't got to see it. The closest that I've got is a two-way star, that is Shohei Otani, who's striking out Mike Trout on three pitches and hitting dingers. It's not fair, man. It's fun. It's also the greatest baseball player who's ever lived. My God. But then we got a whole podcast at Fox that's just about that. It's called Flipping Bats with Ben Verlander. Go check it out. All right. That was only some of the news that happened over the weekend or leading into the weekend. The big news in the Big Ten is that Michigan landed a five-star quarterback in Jaden Davis. Just their second five-star quarterback in three years and just their third five-star player in three years at the University of Michigan, which feels ridiculous, but I assure you, 
that is only the tip of the iceberg and what we're talking about what is ridiculous in Michigan recruiting. Now, Jane Davis comes out of Providence Day School in Charlotte, which is, you know, right around the corner from where UNC is. I'm sure Mac Brown made a run at him just to get him. It's a huge win for Sharon Moore. It's a bigger win for Kirk Campbell, who was elevated to quarterback's coach after Michigan parted ways with Matt Weiss, hit the ground running, secured a five-star, and the heir apparent to J.J. McCarthy but for 2024. It's also a tremendous piece for you to build your 24 class around as he is just their 10th commitment in this 24 class. And frankly, I think they're most important since J.J. McCarthy, and I don't think it's close. We'll talk a bunch about Will Johnson and what he can do for that defense, but quarterbacks are different, just as I was talking about with Deuce Robinson. Now, this is where it gets kind of ridiculous, and also, if you're a Michigan fan, you could say we're just getting started. If you are RJ, you're going, why are you just getting started? Okay. So Michigan finished 12th in the team composite in the 2022 cycle, right? In the 2023, excuse me, in the 2023 cycle. In the 2022 cycle, we're looking at Josh Gaddis winning the Broyles Award, leading Michigan past Ohio State, winning the Big Ten Championship, making the college football playoff, but finishing outside the top 25 recruiters in all of college football, according to 247's recruiting rankings, which I, by the way, take at, uh, at value. I think that it's a really good way of understanding who's important because you're the primary recruiter for this player. You should get credit for that player committing, signing with the university. For uh, example here, Charles Kelly is the reigning recruiting champ for the 2023 cycle, and he was at Alabama recruiting DBs. Now he's defensive coordinator at Colorado. It also means that Mike Elston was the second best recruiter on the Michigan staff and ranked 36th among the nation's recruiters. For the 2023 cycle, Steve Klinkscale finished highest among Michigan coaches, ranked number 33, and Elston finished second again, ranked number 47. It's really hard to understand how that is possible given the success that Michigan has had over the last two years. Even if I wanted to give you a pass for last year, and I don't want to, but I will, right? I will. I'll look to this year and say, what did you do? What you did following or in the midst of an undefeated regular season run, an undefeated run to the college football playoff is not sign a single top 100 recruit for the cycle. I, I, I had to ask producer Tyler to make sure that I'm right in saying that even if I checked it four times myself. Now, you could say what a lot of coaches say when they can't get recruits, frankly. We want our guys. We don't want who you think is the best. We want to get who we think is the best. Well, Alabama gets who we think is the best. They win championships. Georgia gets who we think is the best. They win championships. Ohio State gets who we think is the best. They've won a championship in the CFP era. And that is who I compare Michigan to. Again, this is me comparing Michigan to who you are now, a college football playoff team and the reigning Big Ten champ. It's your conference. Among the super conferences, of which there are just two, you are at the top of one of them. And frankly, the deepest one of them. You need to act like it, right? And I think Jaden Davis committing to them also signals this to us. Finally, the University of Michigan has decided it will start recruiting like it has made back-to-back -back college football playoffs, like it has won two Big Ten championships, like it has beaten Ohio State at the big house and at the shoe. 
That is who you are now, and that is the standard I will hold you to. There's no more RJ leaving you out. It's no your RJ doesn't respect us. No, I respect you enough to expect you to go and compete with Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State. Because frankly, if any one of those programs finished outside of the top 10 in the cycle after making the playoff, it would lead every sports talk show in the country. That's who you are now. This is who you are. Own it. Let's see if Jaden Davis can cook when he gets here. I'm excited. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. All right. Now, let's go from talking about the biggest names in college football and in recruiting to the biggest names in the NFL draft. One of the cool things about being a part of this show is there's no small amount of people that are always looking at what it is you guys are interested in and what it is that you want to hear me talk about. And we're frankly floored that you want to talk or you want to hear me talk more about the NFL draft and who gets who, right? Which players are going to go to said teams. And that's, you know, for me as a dude that came up on YouTube, I could never get NFL draft content to stick. And now all of a sudden it's what you guys think is my wheelhouse, which I'm all for. Cause I love talking about football, college football, pro football, it's high school, it's recruiting, it's USFL. Let's get it. So let's start with, I think this is a great way to position the draft. Producer Tyler going, let's go through the NFC East, or excuse me, the NFC, not the NFC East alone, and pick out some teams that you could talk about what they need and who you think they're going to pick based on where they pick in each round, right? So let's start with the Philadelphia Eagles. My nemesis, as I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, but not my nemesis when Jalen Hurts is quarterback, except when he puts the ball on the ground, but now I'm not going to get sidetracked by that. I'm just going to say, Phillies in win-now mode, okay? They showed what they are capable of by making the Super Bowl, and frankly, being a fumbled football away, did it again. I, I can't help it. It's the difference in the game. If you don't put the ball on the ground, they don't return it for a touchdown. You ain't got to talk about James Bradbury holding nobody. All you got to talk about is whether or not Jalen Hurts can beat Patrick Mahomes for a Super Bowl. We there. We already there. We're there because they're in win-now mode, because they were that close to not just making the Super Bowl, but winning the whole damn thing, okay? So what do they need now that we know that center Jason Kelsey is back? Uh, Fletcher Cox is back. Brandon Graham, who was playing spot duty, but still was like getting more tackles for loss and sacks than whole franchises. He's there. Darius Slay is back. But I've also kind of pointed out to you guys that are old, right? Jason Kelsey's my age. Well, excuse me. He's a year older than I am. He's 36, right? Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox are, you know, 33 and 35. Uh, Darius Slay is 32. That's an average age of 34 for guys that you need to play like pro bowlers going into this 2023 season. And one thing that is true, the older you get, the easier you get hurt. I'm over here talking about my allergies, dog. You know, I can know it's raining because my knees hurt. I've had three knee surgeries, two on one knee, but I can always tell you, oh, it's about to rain. Why? Because my knees are killing me. Okay. That is where these dudes are. And I ain't been playing football for, you know, a two thirds of my life. So take that into account, but also knowing what could they do to make sure that if these guys hold up and play the caliber of football that they are capable of, that someone else could come in and help them right away. Because I don't think that you use a first round pick on dudes that can't help you, can't make your roster, okay? You have to use that on somebody that can slot right away and push you over the top. That's why I think at number 10, if he's still there, you got to go get B. John Robinson. I think that 
everybody who knows something about football loves B. John Robinson's game. That's one thing, right? The other is, I can't think of a dude that is more liked by college football fans, media, and coaches, other than maybe Najee Harris, who I think is the comp, than B. John Robinson. You will not find a soul that doesn't think that that dude is as cool as they come. He is grounded. He is in his faith. He understands the magnitude of what he was doing at Texas. He was always saying the right things. And I mean, you follow him on Instagram. He's got something inspirational for you that he truly believes every single day. That's just how he gets down. He's also rubbing shoulders with film folks and, you know, getting his picture taken with LeBron James. And we still love him. Now, it's also a dude I think compares favorably to Jonathan Taylor, a man that can carry the load for you and can go get you those yardage, can go get you those TDs the way that Jonathan Taylor could at Indy. I was very high on Jonathan Taylor coming out of Wisconsin. Matter of fact, I caught hell from Big Ten players and coaches because I put Jonathan Taylor on my all-time Big Ten team ahead of guys like, say, Saquon Barkley because I believe that Jonathan Taylor is one of the most underrated college football players of all time. His stats, you go look at it, are stupid. But that's who B. John Robinson is. 400 touches, three fumbles. Matter of fact, they don't lose to Texas Tech last year if he don't put the ball on the floor. And how did he respond to putting the ball on the floor? I think for the first time in his career, actually. He went through classes in Austin all week carrying a football, telling folks, try to come get it from me. Help me work on my ball security. And he had some takers. Now, anybody that's seen B. John, and seeing Bijan's shoulders and seeing Bijan's biceps know that you are tempting the fates there. Okay. This is one of Hercules' 12 labors. You trying to take the football from Bijan Robinson, but people tried it and he was about it because that is what he decided he wanted to show to the rest of us. Really love that. Okay. The next pick that the Philadelphia Eagles have is also at the end of the first round, which is nice for them. And I think if Brian Branch is there, you take him. But I'm assuming that he's gone because Brian Branch is the most versatile defensive back in this NFL draft with the most upside. So I would just assume that there are other teams that would see him on the board and go, no, that guy can help us at three positions, maybe four, depending on how we feel about him at boundary corner. So I put in there Antonio Johnson, right? Texas A&M safety, who is at six foot two, 200 pounds, reminds me so much of Cam Chancellor. He's great at coming off the edge. You flick the hit stick, people go down. He had 71 tackles last year, 79 the year before. He forces forced fumble. I think he had three forced fumbles in 2022. He's big joker, okay? You want to slot him in free safety? He can do that. Strong safety is probably where I would put him or blow him up to a will linebacker. You could also have him coming off that edge on those third down pass rush attempts. And I think in a pinch, yeah, you'll like him at dime too. He could be your fourth DB on the field. Really like him and what he could add to an aging Philadelphia Eagles secondary, but also for cover. I mean, if you got guys like Reed Blankenship that can't go, it's nice to have Antonio Johnson just slot him in there. Also, adding back to this B. John Robinson point, totally forgot about this and missed it. That's on me. Your running back room is Boston Scott, is Trey Sermon, and Kenneth Gainwell, and Rashad Penny. I love Trey. I love Trey. Trey's not your bell cow back right now. He's not. Boston Scott, that's not your bell cow back. That's your short yardage back. Kenneth Gainwell, they're splitting that dude out the wide receiver. I loved him in Memphis, but that apparently ain't what y'all think he could do. And Rashad Penny is a battering ram. Fine. Bijan is all of that. 
a dude that you could actually split into the slot and people would have to respect it the way they had to respect DeMarco Murray. Go get him if he's there. All right, let's move from the Philadelphia Eagles on to them boys. How about them Cowboys? Man, I love me some Dallas Cowboys, even though we ain't played for no Super Bowl since, you know, the 90s. And even though we ain't played for no NFC championship since, well, 2000, 2002, I think. My God. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to get my hopes up. I'm going to get my hopes up that we're going to do something nice because Dallas fell into Zeke. And you say what you want about Zeke. During those first couple of years when he was running for his money, we was good. And he was good. Proven that if you need a running back, go get a running back in the first round. I'm not a guy that takes the best dude off the board. I take the dude that we need. Period. That's why a B. John Robinson or even say a Todd Gurley, remember that? That was controversial. You go get those dudes if you think they make you better. Okay. I was thinking that this was going to be a wide receiver pick for the Dallas Cowboys at number 26 in the first round, but then they went and traded for Brandon Cooks, and I love Brandon Cooks. Always love Brandon Cooks. But I'm going to tell you why you should love Brandon Cooks. Okay, the Texans got more picks from the Cowboys. (laughs) Texans got 13 picks in this draft, y'all. Come on, man. But they traded Cooks after he played three years with them, one year with Deshaun Watson, one year with Davis Mills and Terod Taylor, And then last year with Davis Mills, he still averaged 76 catches a year. That's, you played with Deshaun. Okay, Deshaun was good. Deshaun also takes too many sacks, but Deshaun was good. And then you got Davis Mills and Terod Taylor. Now, I like Terod, but let's not not assume that he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. Let's just say that Brandon Cooks will make you right. And he will take the top off the defense. And if you're Dak Prescott, Oh, this is a dude that's going to help you because you know what CeeDee Lamb is going to do. Michael Gallup stays healthy. We know what he's capable of. You need a third option or more than that. You need a second option that isn't Michael Gallup. I think Brandon Cooks helps them shore up that position. And they don't have to use a draft pick there. So because I know they have to do a draft pick there, I once again will say if B. John Robinson falls 26, I'll be shocked. But if he's there, go get him because you need a tailback. You need a tailback. You let Zeke walk. You don't want to pay Zeke. I get that. And there's good reason for that. RJ, we got Tony Pollard coming off of, of, of an injury. Yeah. And we're also looking at a dude that might get franchise tag, right? And we're also looking at a dude who, at the franchise tag, on a four-year deal, let's see. Four-year deal is going to cost Dallas $14 million if they draft, say, B. John Robinson there. That's about $3.75 million APY, okay? If you knew you could get that from not just B. John, but, say, Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama, okay? or Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA, you go do that because both of those guys come to Alvin Kamara. They can carry the mail for you. You also can split them out. I know that Mike McCarthy has said, I want to run the football some more, but my goodness, if you have people really having respect, Jameer Gibbs, who led Alabama in receptions as well as rushing yards, or Zach Charbonnet, who led like 1,600 yards all purpose and like 300, let me see, three, 400 yards, receiving 1,300 yards on the ground. You have people that you have to respect when they split them out, and you have to respect when they're seven and a half yards deep. I got a hard time passing up either one of those dudes knowing that the need is tailback, even if you got Tony Pollard. And I don't believe that you can go just go get guys off the street. I think that, yeah, some, some positions are more valuable than others. Defensive, uh, interior, offensive tackle, quarterback. But if that's what you need, go get him. Then at, I think you can get a little bit of fun going on, or I should say you have room to move 
once you get out of the first round if you're the Dallas Cowboys. Second round, they got the number 58 overall pick. I think if Devin Witherspoon is there, you go get him. Now, that is a corner out of Illinois. Some of y'all ain't watched Illinois play football this year, and I get you. It's not exactly fun, right? They, they, they rock fights. Illinois is basically Iowa, except they were a little bit better on offense so much so that we just couldn't point our finger at them. But one of the reasons that they were so good last year and scared the hell out of Michigan is Devin Witherspoon. So their defense coordinator, Ryan Walters, helped put together a generational defense for them where they were holding people to a ridiculous number of points. So last year, Illinois went eight and four, holding opponents in five of their wins to seven points or, excuse me, to seven points in those five wins or had 10 points or fewer in seven wins. So that's seven games that Illinois won where Illinois' defense allowed 10 points or fewer. One of those is also a rock fight between Illinois and Iowa that I really enjoyed because I like a rock fight as much as I like uh, aerial combat. Football is football to me, especially when it's executed at a high level. And if what you do at a high level is stop people from scoring, I will watch you do that. Devin Witherspoon is also a dude for which you're just not going to test if you are in college football. But that's going to get interesting when we talk about the NFL, because you want to talk about PFF. I have my suspicions about people that keep their own stats, but I think this one could be illuminating, right? According to pro football focus, hit the quarterback rating for guys that went at my goodness, what a hit from Devin Witherspoon on. I just, sometimes the video pulls me and I'm watching that man lay a stick against Indiana. And I love it. But also again, you didn't throw on him and expect to win. 31 was their QB rating when they threw on him expecting to win. Sixth lowest in the FBS, according to PFF. Also, sixth lowest for a quarterback, that, a quarterback, a cornerback, sound out your syllables, RJ, who had 150 snaps in coverage. That dude knows how to play man-to-man, okay? I think he's also going to be hellacious in cover, too, where he knows he's got help over the top. You're just not going to go at him. But I think the comp is Xavier Howard. The reason I believe the comp is Miami Dolphins cornerback Xavier Howard is somehow he has become one of the two or three best corners in the NFL and people still throw at him, okay? Now, you might think that Jalen Ramsey, best cornerback in the NFL. Jalen Ramsey would certainly think that Jalen Ramsey is the best quarterback in the NFL. And, you know, everybody's got an argument. He's got a good one. But J.C. Jackson and Xavier Howard are the only two players in the NFL with five interceptions or more in three consecutive seasons. And since Xavier Howard has joined the NFL in 2016, that dude has 27 picks. 27 interceptions in six years. I'd stop throwing the football at him, but people keep doing it because they just not have not learned to fear him the way that they learned to fear, say, Jalen Ramsey or even J.C. Jackson at – New England, who people keep throwing at. Like, no, we knew we couldn't throw at Stephon Gilmore. No, it's this other dude that you got to keep in front of you. That's a no-fly zone over there. I think because so many people didn't watch Illinois play football and people are going to learn who Devin Witherspoon is quick, fast, and in a hurry, he's going to have the benefit of, say, being on the other side of Trayvon Diggs, if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, who is going to drive me nutty. You might think that we don't want to throw at Trayvon Diggs because he's as likely to bite us as we are to go get six. And you might try to go at Devin Witherspoon, who is going to shore up 
I think the only weakness in Dan Quinn's defense, secondary, in particular, corners. I can't take Trayvon off the field because Trayvon Diggs is great when he's on the field, except when he's getting cooked. I'll get more into that as an archetype, but like, I'd probably be jumping routes too because you expect to give up TDs. People don't expect you to take away the ball. You take away the ball, you become that much more valuable to your football team because you're winning them possessions. And possessions in the NFL are at a premium because, frankly, the game is shorter and they take more time to go score points. That's why I think you take Devin Witherspoon with that second-round pick. If both of those dudes are gone, if you shirt up your running back position, Devin Witherspoon is gone, I don't have a problem with you going to get Quentin Johnston, but I expect Quentin Johnston to be a first-round pick. Like, I just, I just do. He's that good. It's that well-liked and talked about. It'll happen. So let's go from the Dallas Cowboys to my nemesis in the 90s, at least, or one of them, the Green Bay Packers, right, who are about to be in rebuild mode. Seems like everybody wants to admit that except them because I'm assuming by the time the draft comes around that Green Bay would have made this trade with Aaron Rodgers official and get back at least one other first-round pick for the trouble from the Jets. And I also would like to think that, my goodness, uh, the Jets might want to also find something to do with that pick, but there's no, there's no reason to believe that Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing football when he's 40. I know that that's a new thing, and, and dudes want to do it, and I'm looking around. I see LeBron James. I see what Tom Brady was doing, what Lewis Hamilton does in Formula One. People can do it now at a high level, but that ain't what you want to bank on. And if you think you're in win-now mode, you don't trade, or excuse me, if you don't think you're in win-now mode, you don't trade for Aaron Rodgers. So maybe they want to do what the Los Angeles Rams did, which is sell the farm for the chance to go win a Super Bowl. Cool, if that's what you want to do. What that means for Green Bay is they would probably have another pick that we're not talking about to use in the first round. But with the pick they do have, I think you go get Jordan Love some help, right? I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but the best wide receivers at Green Bay right now played football in college at Nevada, Romeo Dubs, and North Dakota State, Christian Watson. Now, do you expect to find another Devontae Adams coming out of Fresno State? Yeah, maybe, but I doubt it because Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams. There's a reason why we don't really throw that one around a lot because we don't expect to see Terrell Owens come out of Tennessee Chattanooga and become a pro football Hall of Famer. You just, you just can't make draft picks based on that. You have to make draft picks based on your needs and what the floor is, not what the ceiling is, because we all got a high ceiling. I mean, statistically, I can still be 6'6", six 260, six, and run a 4'440". Brilliance is the chances we're talking about. But I got a chance, and you can't draft on that philosophy, and I wouldn't let you. So go get Jackson Smith and Jigba if he's still there. I think you can do that with the number 15 pick. The way people have been talking about JSN also leads me to believe that he'll make it out of even the top 20 picks because he didn't play much football in 2022. Now, the football he did play was great, but we're still thinking about the 21 season for which he was ridiculous, especially in the 2022 Rose Bowl, where he set the bowl record for receiving yards in a game with 347. Now, C.J. Stroud also threw for 567 in that win against Utah, which is one of the greatest Rose Bowls that I've ever seen. But that's who you're drafting. You're drafting the 21 Jackson Smith and Jigba. You're drafting the guy that Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson said is better than us. And all Garrett Wilson did was win NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year 
And you know what? Chris Olave gave him a run for his money. Go get that dude. Put him out in the numbers or on the slot. It doesn't really matter. And tell him and Jordan Love to rent a room together because I think that that pairing could be very cool. I also would be remiss if I did not bring up that Jordan Love led FBS in interceptions the same year that he was drafted in the first round by the Green Bay Packers. Maybe his accuracy and decision-making has been cleaned up, but he's going to need help out on the numbers by a dude with supreme talent and skill if he hadn't done that. Just saying I'd like to see it. I remember what he looked like at Utah State, and it wasn't great. All right. Now, I think in the second round, number 45 overall pick for Green Bay, I think you go get Dewan Jones if he's still there. We can talk about other offensive tackles that may or may not be there, but you need a Bakatiari insurance plan. Whatever David Bakatiari wants to do is, I mean, he wants to stay with you, you want to do it. He wants to go to the Jets, you get what you can out of that, and you start building this offense around what Jordan Love needs. And what he needs is a dude that you can raise up maybe at right tackle and maybe transition to left tackle depending on how he develops. But Dewan Jones is such a large human being with such good feet and hands that you feel like with a good offensive line coach, he will become a Pro Bowl level of offensive line. As a matter of fact, I remember going to Ohio State, Iowa, my first time at the shoe, and I'm standing on the sideline next to producer Tyler, and all he could tell me is, RJ, have you seen Dewan Jones? I, I, how can I miss Dewan Jones? He's enormous. Yes, RJ, he's enormous. Like he was overwhelmed with this six foot eight specimen of a man playing tackle. And you know what? He should be because that's just not normal. All right, let's go from the Green Bay Packers to a team that won a Super Bowl in the 21st century before the damn Dallas Cowboys did. And that's Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay. All I get in exchange for that is knowing that my Cowboys sent Tom Brady out packing on his behind in a playoff game. I'm going to, I'm going to hold on that one for a very long time because I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan and we ain't got a whole hell of a lot to hold on to. Now the notes on this one are they brought Baker Mayfield in and quiet as it's kept Baker Mayfield is going to be on his fourth team in 15 months. Now that's a fact I actually picked up for Peter King in his column for NBC, but he was with the Cleveland Browns on January 9th, 2022. And he has since played for the Panthers, the Rams, and now the Bucks. Kyle Trask is there, but I think Baker Mayfield is their bridge quarterback to 2024. Maybe they expect to win the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. We'll have to wait and see. I could also be talked into at number 19 overall, them going to get Anthony Richardson because I'd like to see what Byron Leftwich might be able to do with him. Plus, you get to put him down for a year and say, it's either Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask, hold a clipboard. I'm going to teach you how to play quarterback in the NFL with these ridiculous tools you have. And the idea of Byron Leftwich with, let's say, the darker version of Josh Allen, I would watch that. I would love to see that. And I think that could work for Tampa. But if they don't want to do that, and they do want to sure up, say, their offensive line and prepare for the Caleb Williams ascendancy, if that's what they're going to do, go get offensive tackle Anton Harrison. I'm betting on Anton Harrison for a number of reasons, not the least of which is in 2021, he was outstanding as a starter at left tackle at Oklahoma. And in 2022, that'd be last year, he allowed just one sack, one as a left tackle. And more than that, I'm betting on Bill Biedenboe. Bill Biedenboe, offensive line coach at Oklahoma, who I genuinely believe is the best offensive line coach in football, continues to turn out specimens on that offensive line. Orlando Brown is the one that you probably know the best, but I mean, we could take it down to Ben Powers. 
I keep going around talking about what Bill Beatonboat has given the NFL, but you need him at Tampa because you're going to lose your starting left tackle and you're going to have to add, say, Tristan Wirfs from right tackle to left tackle, which I think is the natural move here, and find somebody that can do that right tackle job. Now, people that talk about offensive line will tell me that the right tackle is usually the, the most unsound technically of your offensive line men, usually brute force, right? Your left tackle, best offensive lineman from a technical standpoint, probably from a talent standpoint. That's why we talked so well about Joe Thomas for years. Didn't matter who was playing quarterback. He was going to do his job. I think if you put Anton Harrison at right tackle and you raise him up the way that you raised up Tristan Wirfs at right tackle, you also have a plan in place for the next contract for Tristan Wirfs because he's going to get paid. Like it's That's just the whole of it. But after this contract, I don't think the Tampa's going to want to pay him going into his 30s like he's in his prime, for which you could get Anton Harrison over to that left tackle spot, going into his second contract, and the cycle continues, right? I think that's a sound plan for them. He'll be as raw in the NFL as he was his first couple of years at Oklahoma, which is saying a lot, right? Didn't know that he was going to develop into this dude, but again, that's Bill Biedenboe. He will show you what it is you need to work on, and he will make sure that you get it done by the time it's time for you to go to the NFL so you can be a contributor at the highest level of football. Okay, second round, Tampa Bay's got number 50 overall pick. I saw Sean Murphy Bunting going to Tennessee. Saw Ty Bowles wasn't exactly happy about it, and then I went to go look at their cornerback situation and say, yikes. Maybe you need to go some, get somebody that's long and mean and knows how to run the wide receivers like Christian Gonzalez coming out of Oregon. Had four interceptions last year. That's the third most in the Pac-12 and finished with 50 tackles, 35 were solo, which is big for me as a corner because you're out there by yourself most of the time, and had a tackle for loss. Used those arms to get his hands in front of footballs more often than not. I love having size and speed out there. I think that Christian Gonzalez could help them right away and be a great contributor to them. I'm also looking at if Christian Gonzalez is not there, you could serve to find a, a, a capable replacement or even say sub for Vita Vea on that defensive line because that dude was ridiculous. I mean, he's been ridiculous since he left Washington or at Washington and since he sent since he left. But if you're looking at a defensive lineman that could probably come in and do what Mozzie Smith could do at Michigan, or excuse me, what looking at a defensive lineman for what Vita Vea could do at Washington and at Tampa, go look to Michigan where there's Mozzie Smith, who's six foot three, 337 pounds. I didn't know how important he was to what Michigan was doing in 2022. And still, I just started looking at the stats. And that dude was a man in the middle for Michigan. I don't think we talk that much about it because it's really difficult to talk about defensive linemen in the interior who don't show up on the stat sheet because you really have to be watching football or paying attention to a lot of people that are watching football to identify just how important an interior lineman is. But what is very clear is they don't make a whole bunch of those dudes on trees that especially are talented, but talented enough to go in the first round, which leads me to the Detroit Lions. Detroit has got the number six overall pick and the number 18 overall pick. So that's two first, right? And they need help, particularly at the defensive interior. And I think at corner, but I'll get to that in just a second. The Lions finished 31st in yards per attempt allowed and 25th in passes defended. That's bad. Now, pass defense is as much about interior push as it is about how good your secondary is. Those things work in concert. The longer that a guy has to run with a wide receiver, 
the harder it is to keep that wide receiver from catching the football. That comes back to, did your defensive line, particularly your interior, crush in the pocket in such a way that the quarterback had to make a decision quicker rather than later? Okay. I think if Jalen Carter is still there at number six, you got to go take him. That is the best defensive lineman in this draft, not named Will Anderson, and the best defensive interior lineman, period. You don't have a choice here. Isaiah Bugs needs some help, and y'all got edge guys, right? We know what Aiden Hutchinson is about, but we can get edge guys. We can't get them as big, as strong, and as nimble as Jalen Carter is. Matter of fact, take a look at it this way. I'm looking at the draft, and there are maybe three guys that might rate as first-round talents at defensive interior. So that also means that if Jalen Carter's not there, you got to go get Kalijah Kansi out of Pittsburgh. But here's the problem with that. Six feet tall, about 280, that's where you need to stop with the comparisons of Aaron Donald. You can't bank on that. Nobody can bank on that. I don't need a six-foot defensive interior lineman. I need a six-foot-three, six-foot-six defensive interior lineman. I need somebody that's got paws that can get up over the heads of, say, a quarterback's arm angle and throw down the pass. Now, if Kalijah is all that's there, you still got to go get him because he's better than anything else that you might be able to get later on down the line. And that's about you taking the best available player for your needs as opposed to you taking the best available player at number six. Also, this interesting note uh, from Adam Schefter via Drew Rosenhaus, who represents Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter has visited the Chicago Bears and he's going to, or has also visited the Eagles. He plans to make a few other stops, but I thought this note was the most interesting of this. He's declining visit requests from teams selecting outside the top 10. The quote that Rosenhaus gave Schefter is, I'm confident Jalen will go in the top 10. He's a good person, family man, loves football, and is a generational talent. Okay, he also was invited to attend the NFL draft and plans to in Kansas City. If you've been living underneath that particular rock, Jalen Carter was involved in a misdemeanor incident that resulted in a no contest plea for him and probation. It's one of the reasons why some people have thought that he will slide outside of the top 10. I don't see it. He is a great talent. He's also the best at his position and a position of tremendous need all across the NFL. I got a hard time not seeing this dude get past or seeing him get past Detroit at number six. I think you also get a little bit of wiggle room here with the number 18 overall pick. And I think you should use that on another Georgia Bulldog in Keeley Ringo. And the reason I say this is Jeff Akuda proved that he could be taken off the field in 2022. He got the hook in week 16. And that was from a number three overall pick at the time of his selection to Detroit. I think in getting a guy like Keely Ringo, you not only tell Jeff Akuda, hey man, we've got somebody there to compete with you. And for that matter, Cam Sutton, who they signed as a free agent who was outstanding at Pittsburgh. I think Keely Ringo could end up being a Trayvon Diggs in the NFL. It's a guy that is going to be very good when the ball is in the air. He's going to get beat more often than not. He's also going to win when you don't expect him to. He showed that against Tennessee. That was the... Best football game that I saw him play last year. And then against Ohio State, you saw what he was really up against with Marvin Harrison Jr. for the time that Marvin Harrison Jr. was able to help. And that's without having Jackson Smith and Jigba on the field and Emeka Ibuka doing things. I think Keeley is also an oversized cornerback. I always thought that he was going to be moved to safety or outside linebacker at Georgia because he's such an enormous man. 
but he's also got such great speed and hips out on the numbers that if you could stick him at the boundary or even the field corner, I think you're going to make yourself better and you're going to shore up what has been a very bad defense. And really, I think the difference between you being a playoff team this year versus not last year. So that is how I see the team needs for these teams in the NFC. Grateful, as always, to talk about this stuff because I really love college football and I love to see some of these dudes that I've been covering since they were 14 years old become millionaires in just one night. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the number one college football show. My thanks always to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak, our director, Kyle Holly, our senior producer, Catherine Donnelly, our social media maven, Javion Duncan, our production assistant, Kiara Santana. I'm the host, RJ. We will see y'all next week. Deuces. <laughs>